Coming up on Stu Does America, here's the fun thought exercise. What would life be like without the media pumping exaggerated and scary headlines down our throats 24 hours a day? Maybe we wouldn't live in a society where we call the cops on each other for walking the dogs. Let's give that a shot. And what is the truth with a shooting in Georgia? Dan Andros joins us to break it down. And we have more annoying footage of Andrew Cuomo, which is just another way of saying we have more footage of Andrew Cuomo. You can always watch every episode of this show for free. Just go to YouTube, search for Stu, and I'll be the first one there. Wherever you are, comment, rate, and review often. Algorithms love your engagement, and that helps people realize that this little show exists. And wherever you are, when you click the five stars, yell five freaking stars as loud as you can. Or head to blazetv.com slash stew and subscribe to our full network. Make sure to use the promo code stew because that's how they know you like this stupid show. And we'll take 30 bucks off. Offer is ending soon, though, so, you know, get on it. The NFL schedule will be released tonight. At this point, I'm just hoping someone will throw a ball to someone else by the year 2025. Assuming, obviously, by then we can get approval of all the medical experts and, of course, President Kanye. Stu does America. The media hypes the news for clicks. It's important to know the tricks that they use. We'll tell you about one of them in just a minute. But first, here's what happens when a coyote tries to eat a very prepared roadrunner. In a previous life, before you were press secretary, you worked for the campaign. And you made a comment, I believe, on Fox, in which you said President Trump will not allow the coronavirus to come to this country. Given what has happened since then, obviously, would you like to take that back? Well, first, let me note, I was asked a question um, on Fox Business about the president's travel restrictions. I noted what was the intent behind those travel restrictions, which is we will not see the coronavirus come here. We will not see terrorism come here, referring to an earlier set of travel restrictions. I guess I would turn the question back on the media and ask similar questions. Does Vox want to take back that they proclaim that the coronavirus would not be a deadly pandemic? Does the Washington Post want to take back that they told Americans to get a grip, the flu is bigger than the coronavirus? Does the Washington Post likewise want to take back that our brains are causing us to exaggerate the threat of the coronavirus? Does the New York Times want to take back that fear of the virus may be spreading faster than the virus itself? Does NPR want to take back that the flu was a much bigger threat than the coronavirus? And finally, once again, the Washington Post, would they like to take back that the government should not respond aggressively to the coronavirus? I'll leave you with those questions and maybe you'll have some answers in a few days. Wow, that was not pretty. Don't you hate it when your Acme products just blow up in your face? It happens all the time. Acme, do not buy the stock. The only thing the media does more poorly than reporting on the president is reporting on science. And that makes this pandemic the absolute worst of every world. When you constantly task yourself with trying to turn up the hype, you have to use every little trick in the book. One of these tricks is a longtime personal jihad of mine, it's now pretty much the only thing I think about. It's how the media misleads their readers and viewers constantly by not disclosing the difference between relative and absolute risk. In fact, I've been annoyed at this particular thing for so long. I have formed an elite force of public servants that have dedicated their lives to fighting to destroy it.
bad boys. What you gonna do? What you gonna do when the relative versus absolute risk enforcement action squad comes for you? Bad boys, bad boys. What you gonna do? What you gonna do when the relative versus absolute risk enforcement action squad comes for you? Relative versus Absolute Risk Enforcement Action Squad is filmed on location with the men and women of Relative versus Absolute Risk Enforcement. All suspects are assumed guilty and will be tortured beyond the fullest extent of the law. I'm gonna make the rules. You know, I have to be honest with you, the only reason I'm even doing this show is all for that bit. After I get that song on the air, what else do I have to accomplish in my career? Honestly, it's, it's, it's all downhill from here. There's a new study on the coronavirus out that is scaring the hell out of cancer patients everywhere. Patients with cancer appear more vulnerable to SARS-CoV-2 as a multi-year study during the COVID-19 outbreak. Oh my gosh, a multi-center study, excuse me. Jeez, I mean, as, as if people with cancer don't have enough to worry about already, now they're basically all but certain to die from coronavirus too. Double, triple, 200% increases, 300% increases, 400% increases. It's terrible. This is the evil brilliance of the way the media uses relative and absolute risk. And that is why we have an action squad ready to take care of it. While the media is warning you of these massively high percentage increases, here's what the story and the study actually says. If you don't have cancer, you have about a 5% chance of dying from COVID-19. If you do have cancer, you have about an 11% chance of dying. Now, everyone on Earth would look at this and say, okay, it's not nothing, but it's not a death sentence either. I mean, almost 90% of cancer patients that get COVID-19 still live. However, guess how many clicks you get on that story? None. If you read this study and you had cancer, you'd probably think, okay, my risk goes from 5 to 11%, so a six-point increase. But that's the increase in absolute risk. And telling your readers about the change in absolute risk gets you no clicks at all. Instead, you can say the same thing by using the relative risk instead. So, you get the much sexier headline of COVID-19 causes 120% increase in death for cancer patients. Which one is right? 6% or 120%? Well, technically, they're both right. A 6% absolute risk increase and a 120% relative risk increase. But what number is actually more useful for people? What number gives you a better understanding of the situation? The truth is, if you have cancer, you have a slightly higher chance of dying. But overall, your risk is still low. What number encapsulates the truth of the story better? 6% or 120%? Obviously 6%, right? Yet I could find dozens and dozens of headlines talking about doubling the risk and, and all that. Literally none that talk about a 6 or 7% chance uh, that you might uh, die in increase in absolute risk. But it doesn't end there. Instead of saying that doubling risk is good enough to terrify your cancer-stricken family members, most of the stories went even bigger. Certain cancer patients three times as likely to die of COVID-19, says the study. Patients with certain cancers are nearly three times as likely to die of COVID-19, study says. Coronavirus is three times more likely to kill patients with certain cancers, study says. Wait, didn't we just see headlines that said it was only double? Now it's three times. This is horrific. It's the same study. It might just be time to put grandma down. Mm. 
This world is too cruel. Here, the media is telling you the exact same story, uh, the same study, and instead of a boring 6% increase, or even doubling, they've decided to go for tripling. How? Here's the graph. Once again, mm, you see the chances of dying with COVID-19 and no cancer were about 5 or 6%. But if you isolate only cancers that have spread throughout the body, your chances of death go up to about 22%. Once again, this is intentional. What the study actually says is you have a higher chance of dying from COVID-19 if you have cancer that has spread. And while the difference is significant, about four out of five people still survive it. But your chances go up by about 16 percentage points in terms of absolute risk. You tell the story that way. Or you can tell the story this way, that your chance of death has more than tripled. And you should just pull out a shotgun now and save yourself the lengthy pain and suffering. That's relative risk. And of course, the media exclusively tells you the higher number because they want you terrified. In this case, they cherry pick the scariest comparison to stick in the headline as well. Because yes, technically, the study shows you're three times as likely to die with certain types of cancer. The same exact chart also says you are less likely to die with other types of cancer. If you have non-metastasized cancer, the study actually showed you only have a 4% chance of dying. That's less than the 5% with no cancer at all. Yay, cancer! If we want to cherry pick and use relative risk, we can do, uh, do it as well here and come up with a headline of our own. Study! Certain cancers cut risk of death from coronavirus. We can do that. Of course, having cancer surely doesn't really help you survive COVID-19. It's just noise in the data. But so what? We can get clicks all day long with stuff like that. In fact, give me the other chart. This is, uh, this is the second one here. Yeah, look at that. Uh, we can go two ways with this one. Patients with certain cancers are more than five times as likely to die from COVID-19. We can do that. Or we can go the other way. Breast cancer cures Wuhan flu. Because I look at the chart. It says those with breast cancer never die. They are invincible. Maybe COVID-19 cures breast cancer. Who knows? The bias never stops. Whenever you see some news source telling you that you're a million percent more likely to die from something, realize what they're almost always doing. Choosing the relative risk to pump up the big numbers and terrify you and your grandma. Remember, these choices are being made about a story like this, and this isn't even political. Imagine what they're doing when Donald Trump is the target. By the way, can I tell you how much I love you guys? Everybody always says, hey, you, you need red meat. Just stay on the surface. What's trending in the news? There's no way your audience is going to want to hear about, about that. Relative versus absolute risk? What are you even talking about? And I say, there might be something to that, but, 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 but hold on. You don't really understand this little club we're building over here. Next time some agonizing co-worker starts riffing on wonders of Scandinavian socialism or that crazy study they read on Pinterest about how French fries cause autism or whatever, we're the ones who know the truth. And you know what? We don't even interrupt. We don't interrupt and set you straight right away. Oh no, oh no. We sit back. We let you ramble. We let it go on and on and on. We sit there like a predator in the grass, motionless, waiting for your stupid points to walk right by. And then, and only then, do we speak up and put you out of your misery. And then again, 
Maybe we don't. Sometimes we might just pause and nod and walk away in silence. But we wait just long enough to let you know that we know that you don't know. That's the little club we're building here. Conservanerds, unite! But that's another story for another day. For now, I don't want to take the focus away from the first responders, the fine men and women holding the line against misuse of relative and absolute risk. They are the few, the proud, the relative versus absolute risk enforcement action squad. Bad boys, bad boys. What you gonna do? What you gonna do when the relative versus absolute risk enforcement action squad comes for you? Bad boys, bad boys. What you gonna do? What you gonna do when the relative versus absolute risk enforcement action squad comes for you? Relative versus Absolute Risk Enforcement Action Squad is filmed on location with the men and women of Relative versus Absolute Risk Enforcement. All suspects are assumed guilty and will be tortured beyond the fullest extent of the law. <laughs> so stupid. Moms are wa- uh, working a lot harder uh, than usual this year without a single day off. Uh, if you have kids that are being homeschooled, you know this. The kind folks at Books, that's short for bouquets have chosen to honor our mothers for Mother's Day all month long, from now until May 31st, getting credible savings on gorgeous flowers. And if one day of flowers isn't enough, consider the Books Flower Subscription Service, saving about 30% on bouquets. Uh, and also, you pay zero shipping every single time. It's really brilliant. You don't have to worry about it. You do it one time, and you get the amazing brownie, po- brownie points going every month with absolutely zero effort. I love it. They also have their gift trio for three months of the most beautiful, freshest blooms that last the longest. These flowers are always fresh and they always have the best arrangements. So you look like you actually have some taste for once. I need their help. Celebrate Mother's Day all this month with Books. Uh, you can just head to books.com slash stew, B-O-U-Q-S dot com slash stew. And be sure to remember the stew part because that's how they know you like this stupid show and you'll get 25% off. B-O-U-Q-S dot com slash stew. And we'll get you 25% off your entire order for the rest of May. Maybe I can't give mom a hug right now, but you can brighten up her day with the Books Company. 25% off at books.com slash stew. Leading the non-coronavirus news right now is the tragic story of Ahmad Arbery. He's a jogger in Georgia who was shot and killed after being mistaken for a burglar. It's a bizarre story. The Internet is up in arms, and even Joe Biden uh, took enough notos to stay awake long enough to condemn the incident, which is, I mean, that's a challenge. Here to tell us more about the story is the managing editor of Faithwire, which you should absolutely subscribe to on YouTube right after you're done subscribing to my channel, Dan Andros. Dan, uh, we spoke on the phone this morning and you were kind of heated on this story. Can you kind of tell us uh, what exactly happened? Well, um, first of all, uh, what I'm frustrated at is the fact that we seem to be falling into the same trappings that we do as a country every time we barely have any facts on this case whatsoever. And everyone immediately wants to take sides and jump to conclusions. Now, Uh, This happened back in February, and what happened uh, was Ahmaud Arbery, who is uh, a young man and and, um, allegedly, according to his family, was a frequent jogger working out, 
uh, was apparently jogging in the neighborhood. A woman uh, in the neighborhood that he was jogging in called police uh, because she said she saw someone in a vacant property. There was a house under construction in the neighborhood. And she said, you know, it's a black male wearing a white shirt. That's what he was wearing. Uh, so she calls cops. And, uh, um, you know, next thing you know, uh, these other guys in the neighborhood, Gregory McMichael and his son, Travis, were also on the lookout for the criminals because apparently there had been a rash of, of uh, house invasions uh, recently. So uh, anyway, so after all of that, you, that's the background. These guys just decide they're going to try to chase him down while he's out for his jog, uh, which, again, his family claims that he was jogging. But um, they say they're going to chase him down. So they they get their guns. They get in trucks. They try to corner him. He just keeps on running because, I mean, who would stop for a couple of guys, you know, with guns in a truck? Uh, so they head him off again. And then that's where you see the video um, where there's someone filming. And, and it was a third person who was uh, involved in trying to apprehend this guy. Um, and so it ends tragically as they have guns and, you know, he doesn't know what to do. And he makes a lunge for them. There's a tussle. The gun goes off and he dies right there in the street tragically. So um, a horrible, a horrible situation. Um, where it seems to me that these two guys were trying to enact, enact some vigilante police work, investigation work, and it just went horribly awry. You know, we, uh, the video is out there, uh, as, as Dan mentioned. You know, it was a story that happened in February, and it, it was certainly um, a, a big story in the area. It's blown up nationally because of this video, as a lot of these stories tend to do. Um, uh, we're not going to show you the video here. You can go find it if you want to. If you want to find it, I, I do everything I can to try to avoid things like this. If I if I can possibly do it, I have enough death and destruction on my mind uh, right now. It's not a fun time. The story, mm. however, is a, is a difficult one because I think people are, tend to kind of fall into their into their uh, into their patterns here, um, and I, this one seems a little bit uh, more complicated. It might not be a you know a party line, maybe a pro Second Amendment versus. Uh, you know, you know, police justice type of thing. It's it's not really on those lines. Uh, is that right, or am I, am I reading it wrong? I I think you're right, and man, people are trying to make it that way. Uh, you know, the the narrative is that it's a it's a it's a black young black man again unarmed gunned down, and I, there is a case to be made here. I think that we don't know, but they're, they're you know I don't they're they're calling it a lynching. I mean I don't know that mm -hmm. that's the case, but. It certainly would, you know, you have a woman looking out her window, seeing a, a kid in the neighborhood and calling police on him. And, you know, it's it's you know, it's one of those circumstances where you say, well, if it was a white guy, would, would they be calling cops on a white on a white kid running around uh, out for a jog and, and maybe, uh, you know, walking into a, a, a house under construction? I mean, he was just wearing a T-shirt and short. Well, what was he taking? Was he taking furniture? Like, was he taking what, what was he doing? Like, I, I don't understand. I mean, I think all of us as kids have wandered onto a house under construction at some point. I know I did. Um, so so it does seem like, you know, maybe there could be a case there. I mean, certainly unprovable at this point that it was, um, you know, just a hate race attack. But, you know, you certainly can can say, well. You know, I, you know, would this have happened if the shoe was on the other foot? And 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 where, to me, where the, the issue lies, you know, people are trying to say that self-defense is one of the things that I've heard a lot, um, you know, because he did, you know, he did lunge at him and try to go for him. But it's like, what are you doing out in the street with making an armed blockade in your in your truck and trying to tell somebody to stop? You know, if, if I'm scared for my life and there's two guys with guns and I'm what I'm I don't know what they said. You couldn't you couldn't tell what they said. 
Um, but but maybe they threatened him. And so if you're going to what are you going to run down the middle of the street with two guys with guns, they'll just shoot you right down. So maybe he thought that was his only option. So so to me, the self-defense thing, once there's a tussle is it's very flimsy ground, in my opinion, because, uh, you know, you're the one out there starting this whole thing. What's the kid supposed to do? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, yeah, you know, Malcolm, Malcolm Gladwell's last book um, focused kind of focused in on this type of incident. Um, it was an incident in Texas with a, uh, a black woman and a, a driver uh, and a police officer. And his point of the book and the point of the book overall is that so many of these problems that we have come from the uh, the basic idea that we don't read people right. We don't read situations mm-hmm. correctly because in, in the end, we all kind of think we can pick things up quickly. And it's also it's in the end very difficult. Like he used the example of Amanda Knox, who appeared to be you know laughing after this murder. And everyone thought, oh, she can't possibly be mourning her friend. And, you know, like you investigate it and you kind of see, well, actually, she sort of was like that. It was a, it's a weird quirk of hers. She's done, you know, in, in sad situations, has done this several times. In this case, um, it seems to have a situation uh, that is similar to the one he highlights about the uh, the driver and the officer in that both sides think they're kind of doing the right thing. Um, you can understand at some level, and I, and I would agree with you that it's it's not it's never good advice to go out uh, and try to um, uh, to be, a, uh, you know, essentially a police officer to to solve a crime, though. I will say he was a former police officer. So this isn't like us. Um, right. Am I right about that? Or you worked for a district attorney? I know uh, at some yeah, point. I think he worked for the D.A. And uh, yeah, in some capacity, I don't yeah. think he was a regular uh, foot officer, but he did. He did work for law okay. enforcement on, on some level. So he had some background there uh, at some level. Uh, they went out. They you know, look, if someone's harassing your neighborhood, you think you know who it is. Like it's a sensible thing to go after that person. The, on the other side. It's a sensible thing that if two people, no matter what color they are, are chasing you in a truck with guns, you might think something bad's about to happen. And, and, and that struggle plays out in the worst possible way here, where it's actually the son who winds up doing the shooting. Right. And they, they get in some sort of scuffle uh, and it's the it's the son who actually does it. I don't know how you get past that, though. Uh, you know, I think human beings act in, on instinct. It's that fight or flight sort of uh, instinct that we all have. And when you when you combine that with a, a lack of information, it's not guns. I don't I don't know that this it could be race. We don't know, but it doesn't usually turn out to be race either. It turns out to yeah. be a fundamental misunderstanding between two people. Yeah. And I think uh, and, and look, I think we let the facts play out. And um, uh, th- there is some frustration, though, and I can understand on the side of the victim's family because they were told his mother was told initially that he was like caught doing a burglary. And, you know, that's not really what happened. Someone called in. We don't know who this woman is that called in and like what actual evidence she had. Right. Um, that that he was committing some kind of burglary. I mean, it could have just been one of these horrible calls that have nothing, you know, com- like you said, completely misreading the situation. We have no idea what her basis for this call is, but people want to take that and run that. Well, he was out there committing problems. So look what you're going to get. Um, so, yeah. So and then to me, I mean, it makes it even more egregious that these the father and son have some experience in law enforcement. I, it just seems like there are a million other um, ways you could have gone with this other than try to set up at a blockade and chase someone down multiple times in the road with weapons. Um, you know, you could have followed him slowly. You could have just, you know, walked up to him just, you know, and if call he kept going, fine. But call the cops at that point. There are a million things and one things that you could have done other than try to take your gun and take justice into your own hands. Because listen, at the end of the day, this kid was not 
posing a threat to anyone at that particular time. And no piece of property with a kid running away down the street is worth this effort to, to stop. It's just not worth it. Um, and so now now a kid's dead and we don't get to hear his side of the story because because of it. Mm. You know, I think a lot of times we get to that point uh, in our lives where something's going wrong and you feel like it's unjust. Um, and you say, you know what, I got to do something. Somebody's got to do something. I swear that's the moment you make the worst decisions <laughs> because <laughs> you think that like sometimes you don't have to do something. A lot of times, like, you know, when you talk about property, like you don't want to have someone stealing your property. Um, and if you look person's threatening your family, I'm always going to stay on the side of someone who who even if, you know, sometimes it's, it's hard to tell. But if you believe your family is at risk, that is one thing. Um, I think the the act of, of leaving and going after them is going to wind up uh, being a problem here. And, and it does seem yeah. that uh, the, the 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 police department, which you had close relationships with multiple police departments in the area, did not exactly give the full information away to the family. And that's why this seems to be bubbling up. The crazy part about this as well is that because of COVID-19, um, they, the courts aren't even open. So it looks like it's not even until June where any of this can come in front of a court. Uh, these situations bubble up usually really quickly once uh, these things go down. So hopefully that's not the case. I will say the one good thing about uh, quarantine a lot of these types of stories have not been happening, right? Like we haven't had yeah. uh, everyone just at home and, and I don't know, probably terrible things are happening in your house, uh, but we don't know about them. And that's always positive. Um, Dan, let me uh, let me take a quick break. We'll come back on the other side uh, with a little bit more. Back in a second. You can always get every episode of the show for free by going to YouTube and just search for Stu. I'm the first one there. You can also uh, search for Faithwire and uh, get Dan Andros and his uh, his program. Uh, Dan, uh, I want to go on to something a little bit lighter here in a second. But w one more thing on 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 this case in Georgia. There is a an argument to be made that these people suspected a crime was being committed. And if you sit back and you let somebody run over your, your neighborhood over and over again and, you know, we don't know if this guy knew or, or thought this was the criminal or not. I guess there could be some evil racism going on here. And we don't know that. But I mean, I, you know, most of the time this turns out to be a person who may have mistaken the, uh, the guy. Maybe he was the burglar. We don't even know. Um, and we don't know that. Um, but what what happens here, I think, a lot of times is that uh, people want to do what's right for their community. And this guy may have come out and taken a step, even if there was a mistake made. Can you blame him for going out and trying to make his neighborhood a safer place? Well, yeah, that's a that's a defense that I've seen a lot of people take so far as this, you know, this law about making citizens arrests. And, um, you know, I'm not a lawyer, but I mean, I would think the spirit of that law is more of this type of situation when you actually encounter someone in the act of a crime. You know, they're stealing someone's purse, they're beating someone up or they're, you know, they're in your house and they're stealing. So you catch them in the act mm -hmm. and you're able to hold them at gunpoint and say, uh, yeah, you can't go anywhere and you won't get in trouble for doing that. I think where these guys are in a bit of trouble here is that they didn't have any proof other than, you know, potentially a call from a neighbor or just knowing that there were some other things going on and seeing a kid in the neighborhood and then just trying to chase him down and conduct these investigations on their own, creating a mini armed blockade. So I think they went just like probably the idea is OK to try to protect your protect your neighborhood, but they just took it, you know, 15 steps too far, I think, in my opinion, by, you know, arming themselves and just getting out there and, and trying to uh, chase people down, especially when they didn't have any confirmation that 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 was the person. Yeah, I, I, I do feel like that is a typical thing that gets repeated over and over again in which you uh, when you have that point where you're just like, I'm just sick of it. I got to do something that instinct 
which is understandable, a lot of times leads you to uh, poor judgment. You know, like that, there are certainly times to take uh, stands on principle. Usually when you're putting, I mean, you know, this guy's his son, right? In a very risky situation, you're bringing your son out for something like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, look, I, I, it doesn't feel like there's any good... Uh, good parts of the story. <laughs> At the end of the day, you know, somebody's dead, and and you know, some somebody else might be going to prison, and God only knows what happens to the community. We have enough strife right now, so let's just skip that part of it and just get to justice, and 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 hope this is okay. Um, speaking of justice, this is uh, di- this is different, totally, because we need something to be a little bit happy about before the end of the show. Here, uh, there's a list that just came out of the top ten most rabid fan bases. In the country. And I have massive problems with it. Massive problems with it, Dan. I, let me run through some of these. Um, number 10 is are, are the Boston Red Sox. Now, the Red Sox have a pretty freaking rabid fan base. Uh, the fact that they're number 10 leads me to believe we've got some real superstars uh, coming up. I hate the Red Sox, but they've got yeah. a great fan base. Yeah, they've got an incredible fan base. And, um, you know, obviously one of the older franchises has been around for quite some time. Uh, and even in all those years where they didn't win and, yeah. you know, still everyone's showing up there all the time and games are sold out all the time. Uh, so, yeah, them at 10 is uh, kind of surprising. All right. Number nine, the Pittsburgh Penguins. I don't have much to say on the Penguins because honestly, it's hockey. And so I don't know. Is it even yeah. does it count? I don't know. I mean, if the people are if the people are showing up to the games, I would say it's a rabid fan base because <laughs> anybody who's willing to show up for <laughs> hockey games regularly, it's uh it's a fair point. <laughs> Sorry if you like hockey. Oklahoma City Thunder, I'm totally behind on this list. They're number eight on the list. And they have shown, yeah. like, rabid fandom, even when they're not that good. You know, it's a smaller city. It's their, it's their one team. I think that they are fantastic. And let me pair it with this one. They put at number seven the Golden State Warriors. Now, the Warriors are a team that have been around forever. I think a lot of people had forgotten they were in the league as of 10 years ago. Yeah. They're very good, yes. But I think they're confusing winning with a rabid fan base. Yeah, this is recency bias all the way. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I I'm, I'm doubt those those seats were packed in the uh, days before Steph Curry uh, lighting it up there. And by the way, speaking of Oklahoma City Thunder, uh, first of all, they got nothing else to do in Oklahoma. Second of all, um, OK, maybe they got a few things to do, but uh, not, not a lot of pro sports teams mm-hmm. going on. But isn't it weird to think Kevin Durant was actually in a Supersonics uniform at one time? That is bizarre. I mean, that that. That team with Harden and Durant and Westbrook, how do they not win like nine straight championships? I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, okay, number six, Seattle Seahawks. Okay, big crowd. Everyone knows, uh, you know, the 12th man's thing. Yeah, 12th okay. man, yep. Uh, number five obviously should be number one, the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, really, what needs That's to be fair. said about that? They, they do have yes, very, very passionate. Passionate, perhaps a little bit emotional before <laughs> thinking things through a lot of times. <laughs> Uh, just being honest here, you know, this, this is the city I'm living in right now, right north of Philadelphia. So, yeah, um, I say that with all the love in the world. And as an Eagles fan, I can vouch for that. Uh, we are insane. Um, <laughs> but it's been a, it's a little bit better since 2017. There's a little bit of the edges off. Right. But still, uh, I, I think that's a fair Same. one at number five. Number four, the Pittsburgh yeah. Steelers. Uh, you know, sure. OK, I mean, like that's a yeah. big crack. You get the you get the, t- the towels. Uh, and everything, I, you know, I can see it. I can see the t- uh, I can see Pittsburgh being up there. Number three, the New Orleans Saints. I, really, the New yeah, they Orleans had the bags Saints on the heads. I mean, I feel like they abandoned them back in the day, right? I mean, they had the paper bags over their heads. They did. They did. And, and, and uh, I mean, I, look, they went through a really tough time. They came back to the stadium. Uh, I get that, but I don't know. I don't think of this. I mean, they're loud, but I don't think of the Saints as uh, as as that big on the list. Number two is the is the worst part of the entire list, though. 
And it's the same problem we have with Golden State. They list at number two, the New England Patriots. Now, if, if anyone's ever been to Boston or anywhere in New England, you know they care about the Red Sox. They don't care about the Patriots. The Patriots winning Super Bowl. The Celtics. The Celtics. And the Celtics. I, I mean, I mean, for the love of Pete, I mean, uh, the, 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 are the Celtics number one on this list? Because uh, that's absurd. First of all, how difficult is it to be a fan of the Patriots when they win every single year? How, oh, wow. Congratulations. You showed up to watch them win another Super Bowl. Wow. Great job. You are a rabid fan base. And you're so rabid you built the stadium way out in Foxborough because you didn't want it anywhere near Boston. <laughs> it's true. I remember going to uh, the, the first Eagles Patriots Super Bowl, which sadly the Eagles lost. Um, and, you know, as, as it's going through, like I'm living and dying with every play. Patriots fans are basically falling asleep. I mean, they've won like 19 in a row. They barely <laughs> even know what's going on. Uh, and, I, and you know this. Like you, we know a lot of Boston sports fans. They care about the Celtics. And really, pre- number one, I would say the Red Sox maybe. Uh, s- Patriots are absolutely their third favorite team. Uh, and actually, absolutely. you know what? The Bruins are honestly up there too. I would not say, you know, the Patriots probably show up on these metrics well because, yeah, they got a lot of followers and Tom Brady's there and they've won all these Super Bowls. But that, that's built. You're building your foundation on bandwagon fans there. A lot of people come to the Patriots because they're the best. Uh, so, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I think that's a really mis, misguided one. I will, I will say, however, I was very happy that number one will not be the Dallas Cowboys. Number one, will, America's team didn't get it. No, no, they did not get it. Number one will not be the Los Angeles Lakers. None of the teams, none of them is not even the New York Yankees. None of the teams that I would not want to be on the top of this list. Number one, and I think it's a fair one, the Green Bay Packers. You know, I, look, it's negative 85 degrees every time they, they play a it's game. Fair. They actually are shareholders in the team with really no rights. They just paid money to the team for no reason. Uh, you know, they, they have, <laughs> they, they're an, uh, an authentic, original NFL team. I, you know, I would love the Eagles to be number one, but I think the Packers, are, that's a pretty good choice. Yeah, that is great. And and look, I am most happy about that choice because, as you said, it is not America's team, which was a fraud from the beginning, by the way. Mm-hmm. They, that was a ploy, a marketing ploy by the NFL uh, to just call them America's team. And then they slap them on TV. And we all have to suffer every year watching 15 Dallas Cowboys games on national TV because it's a scam. apparently they think they're America's team. But it, obviously, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a scam. So obviously this <laughs> this particular survey is 100 percent fact. And we go by that. That's all we can do. Uh, Dan Andros, uh, faithwire.com. Go on his YouTube uh, channel uh, and subscribe uh, there as well. And uh, we'll have more in just a second. So if you missed yesterday's show, Andrew Cuomo was the focus. The Cuomo catastrophe. Again, you can get that on YouTube. Uh, Just search for Stu. And I'm the first one there. Cuomo Catastrophe is the title of the show. I think you want to see that one because it's about uh, nursing homes and all the terrible things that are going on at nursing homes in New York, particularly hard hit, largely because of a policy um, that's been passed by, uh, I want to say passed, it was just basically a a health department directive from Cuomo and his administration where they forced uh, people who had COVID-19 into nursing homes. And then did not allow nursing homes to test for COVID-19. 
uh, did not want them to discriminate against COVID-19 positive patients. You need to see that whole thing if you missed it yesterday. He's really been irritating me lately. I don't know if you can notice that. Uh, he's really, uh, he's just grating. It's nails on a chalkboard just to see him. In fact, this moment where, now you remember this, he's, he's in the middle of this scandal where thousands of people are dying in nursing homes. He's going to go make a big nursing home speech because he's trying to turn this around and blame the owners of the nursing home uh, for this. And what does he do? He pulls up and is ridiculous. I mean, look, it's a nice car. It's a GTO, right? Uh, and it's in really good shape. But I mean, you're going to make this speech in, you know, to a group of people that have been victimized by your policies and you sw- your, your stupid little swagger getting out of your fancy car as all these people are struggling. We have 30 some odd million people out of work. I, have no, I don't begrudge a guy a nice car. I, you know, I want to have a better car than I have. I hope to eventually have the greatest car in the universe. I don't care. I, it doesn't bother me to have a nice car. But man, is he irritating. By the way, it's not just that he screwed up New York and New Jersey and Connecticut uh, and parts of Pennsylvania and Boston, which we all kind of uh, know about at this point. It does seem that it was pretty much New York behind this entire thing. Now, I can say that as a New Yorker born in new york it's okay i can say these things i will say though it is uh it's interesting they do this behind you know they you know these these scientists are looking at this and they're seeing really unique genetic um uh fingerprints uh on the different strains of of what we like to call here the chinese wuhan flu um and what happens is in new york uh, they see a very different strain that they're seeing in the West Coast. There's theories here that that is the reason why the West Coast has done so much better with it. Um, at least part of it is because it's not as aggressive a strain. That being said, they've tested around the country trying to figure out where this stuff is coming from. Now, here's the northeastern states. Uh, and, and this will be the, what, what you'd expect. Um, the red in, in this particular graph from The New York Times shows the amount of the virus that was from the East Coast New York City strain. Connecticut, it's 81 percent. New Jersey, 93 percent. Maryland, 92 percent. New York, 94 percent. Massachusetts, 94 percent. What about the West Coast? How about them? Well, uh, the states on the West Coast, it's not exactly how you'd expect. In fact, it's about split in a lot of these uh, cases. Washington was 53 percent West Coast strain. However, California was 50% East Coast strain. Oregon was 50% East Coast strain. And Alaska, because they have four people, all four from East Coast strain. So uh, 80% or so uh, of the virus from, uh, from the East Coast. Here we go with another one. These are other Western states, though. And this is where it gets really crazy. Wyoming, 69% East Coast strain and only 31% West Coast. Texas, 70% East Coast, only 4% West Coast strain. Um, I guess the arrest is they couldn't identify it. Arizona, 84 percent East Coast, Utah, 89 percent East Coast and Idaho, 98 percent East Coast strain. So what it appears is that a lot of people came in uh, to New York and a lot of this was having no testing. We didn't know what was going on. There, There are excuses to be made here. But people went to New York, spread across the country, spread that East Coast strain all over the place. Uh, and now we're all dealing with it. So is it fair to blame Andrew Cuomo for that? Yes. Yes, it is. It's totally fair. Um, I also want to uh, point you in the direction of something else that we need to be doing for a monologue uh, coming up soon. It's the collapse of recycling. Now, you might say, hey, why are you smiling when you say that? I can't help myself from smiling when I say it. I don't know why. 
The recycling thing is really irritating to me. I hate separating my garbage. I'm an, I'm an adult here. He's separating my garbage. What year is this? 2020 is separating our garbage. I don't want to put my hands in my garbage. I'm washing out used containers. What country is this, man? Not the United States. Well, here's the issue. Uh, China used to take a lot of our recycling. And um, so they decided one day, you know what? We're not going to take it anymore. China is the one who was taking all of our recycling. We would pay them to recycle it for us. Um, and we would act as if there was an environmental benefit, especially when you wash out a plastic container. There is no environmental benefit whatsoever. Now there really isn't because they're not even recycling it. We're sending it over to China uh, for, for a long time. They were basically just dumping it into the ocean anyway. And now uh, we can't find any place to sell it, uh, to send it because it's getting too expensive. There's not enough places. So what's happened is we're just throwing it out in a lot of in a lot of areas. Now, an extra uh, added pressure to the recycling industry is the fact that because of oil prices, because of the current uh, financial uh, situation we're in, which is, you know, uh, overtly a disaster, uh, the cost for new plastic is going through the floor. So now recycled plastic is way, way more expensive than, as they call it, virgin plastic. Never been defiled by a human being. Look at this chart. Uh, look at these graphs. This is not good. Uh, and again, I know if you're listening on... Uh, on podcast, you might not be able to see these um, because you don't have magical powers. But I will say they're all going down <laughs> every place where you could buy plastic. It's now cheaper than it was, which makes a lot of sense. Um, this economy, uh, until it turns around, this is going to be the the, uh, the the reality of the situation. We did get another report this morning, of over three million people who are out of work at this point. I'm just blaming the government. Uh, you know, like the beginning, like, look, these are unforeseen circumstances. There's no way to get these programs turned around fast enough. There shouldn't be people who are still laying people off six, seven, eight weeks into this. This is what these programs were designed to stop. And the fact that it's still happening to people, uh, it just shows how poorly these things were constructed and put together. We're going to get into that a little bit. Well, tomorrow is a coronavirus free show. We'll get into it on radio tomorrow. How about that? And we also get the uh, horrible, at least what's expected to be a horrible unemployment rate. Not all, it doesn't have all of this uh, priced in yet, but we're expecting uh, into the double digits considerably. We'll have the details on tomorrow's show. It's going to break right as we begin the radio show tomorrow. We'll have those details for you uh, and more on tomorrow's radio program. We've been talking about flattening the curve quite a bit. Okay, you get these exponential rises. Got to flatten that curve. Then you may bring it down a little bit, maybe. That's what we're trying to do with COVID-19. The COVID-19 pounds, I, you know, that is a whole nother story for a lot of people. I have hit the wall here where I'm just like, I got to stop this. I put on way too much weight over this thing. I've been using it as an excuse the entire time. Time to turn this thing around. Uh, Fast Blast is a great solution. Uh, Even before this insanity, intermittent fasting was kind of something you might have heard a little bit about. I've really liked doing it because, you know, you don't have to do it all the time. You can have those days. Maybe you go off of your diet a little bit, but you can kind of go back and you have one hardcore day. That's the way to do it. Fast Blast has these smoothies, too, where they can kind of walk you through and make it really easy. So you have just a little bit of food. Keep you keep you full. uh, But they taste really, really good. Do your own homework. Go to fastblast.com slash blaze. They can walk you through a whole program on how to do this the right way. Plus, you can have these smoothies as well. Fastblast.com slash blaze. Get started today with Fast Blast for a healthier, happier, and smaller you. Tomorrow, coronavirus-free Fridays. It's Freedom Friday. 
Maybe we'll even go out to dinner afterwards, all of us together. Just just come on over. We'll we'll ride. We'll ride in the same car. We'll see you tomorrow.